Amen. Thank you, Paul, so much for sharing your gifts with us, and Ray, and Robert for our, our prelude. We, what a wonderful blessing uh, music is to our congregation. Thank you all. Choir, it's so good to see you all again. As we prepare for our scripture lesson uh, this morning, we'll be reading from Acts chapter 9. But before uh, we turn to God's word, let's take a moment to go to God in prayer. Let us pray. Lord, we give you thanks for the, the blessing of this time. We thank you for the chance to come together and to, to hear your word. We ask as we turn to scripture now that you would uh, be with us wherever we may happen to be, that your spirit would uh, fill us, would open our eyes, our ears, our minds, our hearts, and our lives. The same spirit that inspired the writing of these words so many years ago would inspire our hearing today, that we might come to know who you are and who you are calling us to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So our passage for this morning is Acts chapter 9. It's a pretty familiar passage, which is dangerous. Uh, anytime we read a familiar passage, there's a risk uh, that we, we incur because uh, the better we know the passage, the harder it can be to hear it. Uh, we, we just, we know it so well that, that sometimes we forget that the, the, the people we encounter in Scripture, they're not abstractions. They're people. Uh, they had families and fears and favorite foods. They, they may have lived in a different time in a different place, but other than that, they're a lot like us. And so when we read passages like this, we can run the risk of, of, of not hearing it. So what I'd like to do before we turn to our, our lesson this morning, I'd like to tell you a, a little story to introduce it. But that's a pet peeve of mine. Um, when, when preachers get up and start talking before they start preaching, you know you're in for a long worship service. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pay attention to how long I spend on this story, and then I'm going to subtract it from the sermon on the other side, and it's going to be the same, and we'll leave about the same time. Um, so I, I'd like to ask you if that's okay with you, but I, I don't actually care. I'm doing it either way. So, so I want to tell you this little story. Now, um, I, I love this story because uh, it's a story— um, it's a story that happens in a place a lot like our, our village. In fact, um, often when, I, when I'm driving through the village, I, I, I think of this story when I pass one specific spot. If you, if you walk out of the sanctuary uh, today, stop at Lemonade on the Lawn, say hi to some friends, and then turn right. Uh, you're going to go down Beaver Street a couple of blocks, and you're eventually going to come to an ice cream parlor. The ice cream parlor is wonderful because, I mean, it's an ice cream parlor, right? Ice cream is wonderful. But uh, just around the corner, you come to one of the most audaciously named streets in western Pennsylvania, Straight Street. Who names the street straight in western Pennsylvania? But this ice cream parlor is right around the corner from Straight Street, and that is exactly the this, this situation, the, the setting for this story. But it's not here in the village. It's in a town uh, out east of us. It's, a, it's an ice cream parlor around the corner from Straight Street. The, the difference, it's another town, and that ice cream parlor is a little bit bigger. It has a couple booths inside and a, and a big TV on the wall. And uh, on, if you were to, to go into that ice cream parlor on one particular Monday, it was a it was a very ordinary Monday. There was nothing special about it. Uh, around the after, that weird time where afternoon sort of blends into evening, there was a man named Chap. That obviously wasn't his real name, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, Chap was sitting in the hard plastic booth waiting for his milkshake. 
And uh, as Chap was waiting for the teenager behind the counter to call his name so he could go get his milkshake, uh, he was staring off into space. And if you happened to be in the ice cream parlor at that moment, you might have noticed that uh, there was something wrong with the expression on his face. He wasn't, he wasn't happy. He wasn't angry. He wasn't, he wasn't upset or sad. But he just, it looked like he was carrying a heavy load. And his eyes were kind of glassed over. He was almost daydreaming when he heard a voice call out his name. Chap, the voice said. Yeah, it's me. Here I am. And he stood up from the booth and turned around to go get his milkshake from the teenager. But as he turned around, he discovered his milkshake was not ready, nor did the voice belong to the teenager. Instead, he was staring uh, eye to eye into the, the face of a complete stranger. And the stranger said, I thought it was you sitting there, Chap. Now, Chap was, uh, he was, he was pretty good with names, and he was even better with faces. So the fact that he didn't recognize this stranger started to bother him. And he, he did his best to, to pull up a file in his brain, but he, he, he couldn't remember why they would know each other. And as I said, he was, he was carrying a, a heavy load, so he didn't have the energy to pretend. He decided he would take the direct route. Yeah, you're right. It's, it, it was me standing over here, sitting over here, rather. But I'm sorry. You're, you're going to have to remind me. Uh, where, where do we know each other from? Oh, you're kidding, said the stranger. It's me, you remember me, from, from Jude's home just around the corner. I help out at the shelter too. You don't remember me. Chap, it's me, Chris. I work in the back. All right, and, and at this point, Chris felt like he needed to prove himself. He said, I work in the back. You're Chap. You work in the front behind the reception desk. They, your name's not Chap. They call you that because nobody can pronounce your name. And you, you pray with everybody who walks through the door. You're like the chaplain of the shelter. It's me, Chris. Oh, right. Chris, I remember now. He did not. Um, uh, yeah, you know, it's, yeah, uh, I'm sorry. I don't get to know the folks who work in the back. You and I haven't had much time to, to, to spend together. That's exactly what I was thinking, Chris said. And you know what? What I always say, there's no time like the present, he said, as he walked around Chap and plunked down in the booth across from where Chap had been sitting. Now, this is not what Chap had in mind, nor was it anything that was particularly welcome to him, but he realized he didn't have much choice. The man was already sitting there, so he sighed inwardly and sat down across the table from Chris who immediately launched into a series of questions as if they had been talking for hours. It's so good to see you. You know, you and I, we don't ever really get to chat. I, I, don't, I can't remember how long you've been helping out over at the, the home, but it's been a long time. Although, now, this is a Monday. Don't you usually volunteer Monday afternoons? Yeah, chap said, I, I do. Um, today, I just needed, uh, I needed a little break. I thought maybe I'd take today off and come get a milkshake. I just, I needed a little rest. Hey, I understand. I'm here to get a milkshake too, said Chris. Although, you know, it's not just, it's not just today, is it? I haven't seen you there in, uh, in a while. Okay, so maybe it's not a, a little break. Maybe it's a little larger of a break, said Chap. I just, uh, I've been tired. I've needed some time away. 
And Chris said, you've been tired for a month? That's not, that's not trouble sleeping, chap. Something's wrong, isn't it? Is there, is there anything you'd like to talk about? He said. No, was the answer. But uh, chap, remember, I told you he was, he was under a lot of stress and uh, he didn't have the energy to fight. And uh, he said, well, yeah, I guess. Um, see, that I, I, the reason I've been taking so much time off is, and that's the moment right there, once he said is, that he regretted that sentence and began to look around the ice cream parlor trying to find some escape from the corner into which he had painted himself. But uh, just then, his eyes fell on the television. And uh, the local news was on. Kind of a strange hour for the local news. But uh, uh, Chap looked at the local news and he saw that the anchor was having a conversation with a a well-dressed gentleman off to the side. He said, ah, the reason I haven't been coming to the the home is that guy right there on TV. Chris said, you don't like the news anchor so you've stopped volunteering at the shelter? And Chap said, no, come on. It's not the anchor. It's the guy he's talking to whatever, uh, Professor Tarsian, or whatever his name is. He's from a couple towns over, and uh, he's from, from the university town, and I guarantee you, outside of our county, no one has ever heard of this guy, and yet, he's been on our local news every night for almost a month, giving uh, speeches, or delivering addresses, or attending events, or interviews, and every single time he speaks, I can't tell if he's trying to run for office, or if he wants to take over as president of the university, or if it's something more sinister, but every time he speaks, every word he says is just so angry, and hateful, and and, and divisive, and I hear him talking, and, and it's like he's trying to, he's trying to tear people apart. And it's not just him. I see that, 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 that sort of rage that's just under the surface everywhere around me. People are so angry at each other and divided and so hateful, and I'm tired of it. And I see it. I can see it. You can see it too. I know people are trying to bring it to the, to the home. I know people are trying to bring it to the church. And I don't want that mess uh, when I volunteer. And I don't want that anger when I worship. So I've, I've just been taking some time off. Look, it's my, it's my free time. I volunteer with my free time to do what I want to do. And what I want to do, I want to feed people who are hungry. I want I wanna, to find shelter for people who are homeless. People who are sick, I want to connect them with medical care that they can afford. People who need counseling, I want to introduce them to counselors. I want to help people who are in need. I don't want to fight these battles. The church started the home. I just want to follow Jesus. I don't want to get involved in all this hatred. Chris said, I think I understand. But just to make sure, let me, let me repeat this back to you. You want to feed the hungry and provide shelter for the homeless and cure the sick so you're volunteering at the shelter less. And you want to make sure that the church doesn't lose its focus so you've stopped going. Now, hold on to the chap. You're twisting my words. No, I'm not, Chris said. That is exactly what you said. You're tired of the, the division and the hatred and the anger, so you're, you're not volunteering and you're not going to the church anymore. Chap, if you want to feed the hungry, if you want to, to provide shelter for the homeless, if you want to cure the sick, you need to spend more time at the home, not less. 
You need to give more, not less. You need to try harder, not less. And if you want to protect the church from division, you've got to show up to protect the church from division. If you want to make sure that Christians don't lose focus, you've got to show up and help them keep their focus. If you want to follow Jesus, you've got to follow Jesus. Not sit here drinking milkshakes. I mean, chap, it, it seems to me you're going at this the, the, the wrong way. Look, it's not, it's not like that. He said, I just, I'm just tired. I'm tired of all the anger. Okay, said Chris, let's, let's think about it this way. I want you to imagine uh, the, the, the people that you've helped at the, at the home for the last month. Oh, sorry. One of us hasn't been there the last month. Let's go back a month before that. I want you to imagine all the people that you prayed with. You prayed with every person, every family, every couple that walked through the door of the home. I want you to imagine all the people that you prayed with uh, two months ago. Do you honestly believe that every single one of them agreed with you? Do you really believe that none of the people who came through those doors in need of help, having been dealt a bad hand, Do you really believe that none of those people are angry? Do you really believe that none of those people agree with the guy on television? Do you seriously think everyone you've been praying with is like you? Of course not, said chap. But that's not the same thing. That's not what I'm talking about. You're you're comparing two totally different things. The guy on TV is different from the people who come through the doors. I don't think so, said Chris. But... I'll play along. Let's, let, let's do this. Let's do a thought experiment. Let's imagine that uh, after we finish our conversation, you decide you're going to leave the milkshake here. You turn around, walk out the door, uh, go uh, around the corner, and uh, you head to the house, uh, the, to Jude's home, and, uh, and you walk into the reception area. And when you open the door, the guy from TV is standing in the reception area asking for prayer. That guy, not someone like him, that guy. Would you pray for him? I reject your entire thought experiment, said Chap. There are two reasons that I reject this entire line of thought, and I'll I'll explain them to you. Number one, that guy will never, ever step foot in the home. It'll never happen. If you listen closely to the words that he says, you can hear he's not open to spending time with people like you and people like me. In fact, I think, if you pay close attention, I think he is attacking our entire way of life. Now, we have to stop the story for just a second. At this moment, you're probably wondering, which political party would Chap align himself with? And typically, I don't tell you the way characters vote, but I know you're not going to get into any more of the story unless I take this moment to explain it to you. So I can't verify his voting record, but based on what I know about Chap, I think the last few elections he has voted exactly like you. Back to our story. He said, so now, I, I just, I mean, everything he says, it's so angry and so hateful, and he's, he's attacking our very way of life. He would never step foot in the home. Everything he says, it's threats and murder. He would never come to people like us for help. That's number one. Number two, if, if and let's, let's just be honest with each other. I, I don't wish him harm, but if something were to silence him so that he was out of the public eye for a while, that would be a good thing. 
Best case scenario, he stops preaching his anger and hatred. This is why I reject your entire thought experiment. Number one, he would never step foot in the home. And number two, best case scenario, he stops preaching anger and hatred. So, okay, I see where you're coming from. It's, you're, just, you're just wrong. Let me explain. So in your wildest dreams, the best case scenario you can think of, this guy stops preaching. In my wildest dreams, the best case scenario is the opposite. He doesn't stop preaching. He starts preaching more. It's just that he stops preaching anger and hatred, and he starts preaching grace and gospel. In my wildest dreams, he would have an encounter with, with someone like you, or maybe not someone like you, maybe, maybe you. Someone like you could show him grace and gospel, and as his life begins to turn around, maybe, he could, maybe he'd see the light, and he would start preaching the good news instead of anger and hatred. If he started preaching the good news, if he had a, a moment where he, he saw the light, think about how far he would go. I mean, he could carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. Now, he's been preaching anger and hatred for far too long. He would probably suffer for it, but I think he could do some, some pretty marvelous work if he were to kind of turn around. So to me, I, I think best case scenario is that, that he would preach more, not less. And as to your other point, that you think he would never step foot into the home, maybe it's time for me to, to, to switch my approach. I've been uh, kind of subtle so far. Maybe it's time for me to be more direct. Chap, I've been trying to find you because he is in the reception hall right now. You'll notice this interview was, was filmed on Friday. He's had a very interesting weekend. I bumped into him on the road, and I sent him to the reception hall so that you could pray for him, and you're here waiting for a milkshake. You best get going, because if he's going to encounter you, and if you're going to show him grace and gospel, you can't be sitting here. You need to be out following Jesus. Well, I'm sorry. You were trying to take a day off. And I've taken so much of your time. Best get going, he said. As Chris stood up, walked past Chap and out the door. And Chap was uh, sitting there dazed. He couldn't tell if that was still a thought experiment or if he was serious. And that last best get going, he wasn't sure if Chris was talking about himself or if he was giving an order. And Chap's eyes glassed over as he tried to figure out what had just happened when he heard a voice calling his name. Chap, you want this milkshake or not? And he stood up and saw the teenager holding out a glass full of vanilla ice cream and realized at that moment he had to make a choice. Whether he would stay with his ice cream or head out the door, turn the corner on Straight Street and walk into Jude's home. Now, I'm not going to spoil the end of the story for you, but I will tell you that ended up being the defining moment of his life. It's a true story. It really happened. I, I get details confused sometimes. It may not have been an ice cream parlor. Um, you know, let's just read it the way it happened. Acts chapter 9, beginning at verse 10. Now, there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up, go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, 
Look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment, he's praying and has been seen in a vision, a man named Ananias, come in and lay his hands on him so that he may regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on your way here has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Ananias was willing to pray for someone like that. Someone who was breathing threats and murder against people like Ananias. Someone who spoke with anger and hatred and division, and yet Ananias was willing to pray for Paul. I told you I would subtract the time from the story out of our sermon. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Amen.